Hey folks, welcome back to the Field and Garden Podcast. I am your host, Lisa Mason Ziegler, and thank you so much for joining me here today. Today's topic is in the top five that I ever talk about, write about, hear about, seed starting. And I understand the struggle as much as anybody does, because guess what, y'all? I was a disastrous seed starter back when I first got started. But before I jump into sharing just a few little steps that I've kind of carved out that you can follow to kind of get on the right path, are you enjoying my podcast? If you are, I just ask you to please share it with your friends if you think it's helpful. And if you want to help me, please post a review on whatever platform you are listening to this on. If it's on my website, you can post it there. But that helps me so much because that makes all the platforms show my podcast to more people. So as I am, I think I'm heading, I think this is episode six. We are like right at the beginning of the journey, right y'all? And I've got so many awesome topics lined up. But anyway, so if you want to review it, you just know that I thank you so much, and please subscribe if you don't want to miss any of my upcoming episodes. So, let's first talk about what a crummy seed starter I was back in the beginning. So, I had, you know, I won't go down the rabbit hole of me and Steve meeting, you know, he was a gardener, and I was a gardener, and right after, well, Right during when we got married, Stevie moved out of his bungalow homestead house that we currently live in. He was living here as a single guy. He moved out so that construction could start here and moved into my house um, after we got married. And so I was already chomping at the bit to do some gardening. You know, he was a vegetable gardener and I started my hand at starting seeds. Now, what you may not know about me is I w- I'm an avid reader. Even though I am dyslexic and have some struggles, I was still a big reader. I mean, my parents really instilled that to me. I used to love when the bookmobile would come. Is there still a bookmobile, y'all? I don't even know. But when the bookmobile would come to our neighborhood, it was such a thrill. And we went to the library two or three times a week when I was growing up. Anyway, so I was quite a book reader. So I was pretty well versed in the gardening department as far as books and magazines could like get you there, right? So as Stevie, you know, he moved in, we were married and we were working on this house. And so I decided that I needed to plant a garden. Well, that kind of made me think seeds. I had never, ever started a seed before this time, y'all. I mean, I was a deep shade gardener and I always just bought plants. So I plunged into my first experiment. Oh my goodness, this brings back such memories, y'all. I bought one of those trays with the domes, and I think I even got a heat mat with that, a seedling heat mat. And my first try was not the easiest seeds in the world to start, which we're going to talk about that in a minute about, you know, it's like just like by you know, choosing a mate. You need to give a little more thought to what you're choosing to start in the beginning while you're learning. Anyway, I chose Snapdragons. Snapdragons are fairly easy to start once you have some rules under your belt. 
but they are slow, which makes them difficult. So I had chose Snapdragons and the classic story, and I have heard this story a thousand times from other budding beginner seed starters. The same thing has happened for them. So I got the kit. I did exactly what it said and I planted my seeds in the tray and then I put it on the heat mat. And after a few days, I got, oh, you know, like three or four sprouts at best, which that thrilled me. I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, a seed has sprouted into a plant. I mean, I can remember literally back then we lived in my house, right? And my house, um, back then I was heavily into golden retrievers and I had like five. And I had closed in half of my big screened-in porch for like a sunroom, which was a tiled floor with windows. And that was where some of my dogs would stay during the day with a dog door while I was at work. Well, I commandeered that room as my gardening room. And so that's where this little tray sat. And oh my gosh, when those first sprouts were born, you want to talk about breaking out into a happy dance? I was so proud and thrilled I didn't quite know what to do. So the next couple of days progressed and really a couple others sprouted. But guess what happened on like the third day? I came, I can still remember walking down the steps because it was at a lower level walking down the steps into that room and looking at my little tray. And it looked like somebody had reached up and pinched the stem right at the soil line and pinched it and smashed it. And the little seedling just fell over, y'all. I'm sitting here doing the demotions with my fingers, but I'm realizing you can't even see it, right? And they just fell over. It's like somebody just shot them dead in their little spot. Well, I, to say I was devastated is an understatement. I was, I was so put out. I can remember packing up all the stuff and just putting it in the closet. And I didn't start again. I gave up. I was so just disappointed. And then that's soon after that is when I really launched into pursuing being a flower farmer and I found another resource and that is where I not another resource resources and learned that there is a method to seed starting and that is what I am going to share with you today y'all because this is perhaps one of the most I think that everybody whether you realize it or not really wants to start seeds. It's a natural instinct, I think, to participate and be a part of this amazing miracle of a seed sprouting into a plant. Um, you know, some of the sweetest times with my farm, especially when we were in high production, oh my gosh, I absolutely loved walking the farm in the evening during the golden hour, we call it, like that hour before sunset, which is such an amazing image-taking time, photo-taking time. When we were in the process of planting the first warm season, I call it the recipe, that mix of stuff that we plant. I mean, we're talking back then, I had 145, 100-foot-plus beds, so it was quite a sight to behold. To stand at that garden that was basically an acre long and seeing all those rows and rows and rows of little plants 
that we started from seed. Because while there, what, I mean, I do order Lizzie plugs in, and I used to order Delphinium plugs in, and a couple other things that were difficult, which we're going to talk about all that in just a minute. Um, we started all that stuff from seed. I mean, it would just blow my mind. And I would, you know, fast forward, you know, six weeks, eight weeks, when that stuff would start to bloom, to think, to grasp that all of that vegetation, all of those blooms came from that little tiny seed. Y'all, it's a miracle. And to have a hand in that, it does something. It changes your life. It changes the way you think and care about your garden and the bounty of that garden. As I've shared in previous episodes, the gift of a cutting garden, that is part of the magic of sharing your flowers with people because they start, they get a little window that those flowers are like open in the window to this amazing thing called living with a garden. And anyway, I'm trying not to get carried away on that, but Starting from seed is something that I think all people yearn to do. But many of us, just like me, threw in the towel after trying once, twice, or maybe even 20 times. I have to tell you another story. When I first started speaking, um, the very first time I ever was asked to speak to a group, and this was literally the first time, I spoke to a group of ladies that most of them didn't even really garden. They had gardeners. and But they were just very intrigued by this flower farming thing I was doing. They thought that was, you know, they were all flower lovers, but they wanted to hear more about that whole deal. So I can remember telling them, you know, I can remember standing in somebody's living room, um, packed with women, just talking about this whole thing of flower farming, right? And I was telling them about my day-to-day -day life and what I do and how I do it and that I started everything from seed and then I just, you know, spent like a minute talking about how I soil block, that that was the way that the English and Dutch have done it for decades and that I happened to have read a book that introduced me to it and it in fact made it possible for me to become a commercial flower farmer because it was so space savvy and I tweaked it to a tabletop method. Anyway, I kind of just hit the highlights of that and just moved on to planting the garden and how we plant it different. And like half of the room's hands went up and said, hey, we really want to hear more about this whole seed starting thing. And y'all, that was a turning point in my speaking career or the beginning of my speaking career because I realized then that most people have a desire to start seeds, but few people actually do it and are successful. So they think, oh, I just don't know enough to do it and realize and think that they can't start seeds. They end up just buying their plants and kind of stick with that method. And if that's you and that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I'm telling you, there's a magical world beyond that that is so miraculous and so wonderful to be a part of. And it is so simple and easy when you follow a few ground rules. And I learned that day that 
basic information is what people are looking for. And that's been the basis of my lecturing, my books, everything I've taught, my online courses, my flower farming school. It's not showing the fancy. It's not trying to trying to impress people. It is giving them the ground rules, which I'm going to share a few of with you right now on seed starting. So I've carved out a few basic steps that you can kind of follow right now if you're thinking about starting some seeds. And I have three of them. The number one, um, number one is in the seed the actual seed you select to start. And what I mean by that is, you know, if you're brand new, you're a newbie, you're just starting, you know, you have to give, you have to realize that the bottom line to being successful in seeds is being able to give them what they need to sprout and grow a healthy life until you can get them to the garden or to do all that in the garden. Okay, and every seed, just like every person, has different needs. I mean, I'm talking about a zinnia seed versus a sunflower seed versus a lisianthus seed versus a snapdragon seed. Different seeds sprouts perhaps differently at different rates in different conditions, how fast they grow, all of these things. So there's some seeds that are just naturally easier to start than others. And why not, y'all, set yourself up to succeed? Instead of picking a snapdragon like I did back in the beginning, that is not hard, it just has some special needs, and I was not prepared to meet them, so I did not succeed. Select seeds that are quick sprouters and growers. And you can oftentimes get that information off of a seed packet. It'll say days to germinate. If it says over seven to 10 days, that's a challenge. You know, I love those quick poppers. <laughs> um, you know, for instance, zinnias are, for us, we get them to sprout typically in 48 um, to 72 hours. Sunflowers are pretty quick. Um, when you give them what they need, which is going to be the next thing we're going to talk about. But the quick sprouters means that they're pretty ambitious little seeds. Because what you have to know about a seed, a seed, I like to think of a seed as an egg. Or Rhonda, who works with us, wrote a great blog about so storing seeds on our website, and she quoted um, uh, someone that said, think of a seed as a lunchbox. And everything that that seed needs to sprout is in that little lunchbox. Everything's in that seed. You just have to give it the conditions to make it crack dormancy and sprout. And you want it to do it as quick as possible because it's really difficult to produce those conditions long-term, especially in the beginning. So the reason, another reason to stay away from those slow-growing, slow-germinating seeds in the beginning is, you know what else happens? Do you know how many ways you can kill a seed or a plant in a period of time that they need a long time to grow? Oh my gosh, that's the reason that I purchase 
Lysianthus, which if you're not familiar with that, that's a type of flower that is a very um, in-demand cut flower for growers. And it it's you can start it from seed, but it takes 12 weeks, y'all, to get like a one-inch tall plant. Do you know how many ways you can kill a plant in 12 weeks? Let me count the ways. I could do a whole episode just on that because you have to keep the temperature right evenly. You don't want to overwater or underwater. There's just so many ways to kill a plant. So that's another part of why you want to seek out quick sprouters for your first go around. So the selection of what you're growing should be a quick sprouter and grower. Hold your slow growers until you get a little bit more experience under your belt. Because I want to tell you guys that the the disappointment, we lose so many potential great gardeners and farmers because they can't start seed, y'all. Do you know how many times I speak to commercial growers and they come up to me after the talks and say, oh, wow, maybe I'll try starting seeds. I said, well, what in the world do you do now? They buy all their plugs in. I just... You cannot make money doing that, y'all. You can't make much money doing that, I'll say. So surely there are some. Reserve those hard guys to do that with. But you can start seeds. It's not that hard. So that was number one. Number two, you need to get a little information about that seed, y'all. Think of it like going out on your first date. You need to know more than their name, y'all. You know, that's like a number one tip. So, for a seed, what you need to know about it before you start dating it or getting involved with it like trying to start it is number one, is it a cool season or a warm season annual seed? Huge curve as to when you're actually going to start and plant that seed, y'all. That's basic. That is so basic. So you have to know if your seed packet doesn't give you that information, then you need to put the name of your seed and ask that question in a search engine. The second thing is that you have to know that every seed variety or type has a preferred way to be started. And what does that talk about? That means some seeds really lend themselves to be started outside in the garden. And some seeds really need to be started indoors because they need more of a controlled environment. Things like long-term. Um, so let's just talk for just a second. Those seeds, a good example of um, a seed that, you know, if you're ambitious, you could start it inside but they really are super easy to start when you start them outside. Larkspur. Larkspur is a cool season hardy annual. It's one of the cool flowers from my book. Um, Larkspur is, prefers cool nights and warm days. It only, it doesn't just prefer that. That's in fact, which what makes it actually break dormancy to sprout. <clears throat> And it's really hard. So its perfect world is 55 degree nights and 70 degree days. It is pretty dadgum difficult to provide those conditions inside your home or even in a greenhouse. 
So planting that seed out in the garden is the preferred method. And on our seed packets and on our website and in my books, if, there, if both methods are ever listed for a particular seed, my preferred method, the way that I have found it to be the easiest, is always listed first. That's just kind of like a side note. So if it needs to be planted out in the garden, there's a lot of different reasons why that is, but you need to give it that. There are reasons for that, right? And if it needs to be started indoors, oftentimes it just needs some controlled environment. It needs warm soil. Um, you know, it needs to be sown on the surface of the soil, perhaps, which is kind of challenging to do out in the garden. And it may take it days and days to germinate. And that is really difficult to maintain out in the garden. So when it says best to start indoors, go with it, y'all. And the third thing of this get to know more about your seed is does the seed need to be covered with soil or not? Y'all, this is paramount. This means if the seed does need to be covered with soil, that means it needs darkness to germinate. If it should not be covered with soil, that means it needs light. That can make or break whether your seed ever wakes up and opens its lunchbox, y'all. Ever. <laughs> so you have to know that information. And again, it's very disappointing to see seed packets that don't tell you that information. Ours does. That, in fact, is the reason that we started packaging seeds 15 years ago. We don't save seed. I just buy more of the same seed that I'm planting on my farm and we package it with for you with our instructions so you have that tidbit of information. So does the seed need to be covered? So that's number two. Number three is you have to provide it some basic care. So let's just talk first for a minute about for those seeds that really prefer to be directly sown out in the garden. The other tidbit that I should have mentioned in number two, but I didn't, is, well, I did kind of, but it I didn't go into depth. The based on it being a cool season or a warm season seed means that it has specific temperatures that it needs also, whether it sprouts or doesn't sprout. And when you are planting a seed, let's just say that larkspur again, that is a great direct seeded, direct seeded cool flower. If you plant larkspur out in the garden in the fall, but you don't really wait till fall, you do it like in the end of summer when it is still really hot during the day, guess what? It's not gonna sprout. You have to wait until the conditions of the seed that you're planting actually occur out in the garden before you plant the seed. I'm gonna say that again. You have, for those seeds that prefer to be planted straight out in the garden, you have to wait until the conditions that they prefer are actually occurring before you plant it, if you want them to sprout. How many seeds do we replace when people write to us and say, 
my XYZC did not germinate. And we write back and say, we are so sorry. We certainly want to replace your seeds. However, when did you plant them and how did you plant them? 99.9% .9 of the time, they've planted them at the wrong time. And they planted either zinnias when it is still 50 degrees outside, when it should be 80 degrees outside, or they planted something like larkspur when it's 90 degrees outside, when it needs to be 60 degrees outside. So waiting for the conditions, y'all, is paramount. You have got to do that. And that is the hardest thing for people to do. So waiting for those conditions. For those that are that should be started indoors, um, you, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm writing a little note. I just thought of something else I needed to add. When you're starting indoors, you have got to give them the conditions they prefer. Same dish that I just served you for outdoors, but you have to create these conditions inside. The number one issue that people, or I guess a question that I often get is, do I really need a seedling heat mat? And I will say it here, yes, yes, and yes. Even growers with greenhouses have heat tables. They make big heat tables. Because here's the thing, y'all. Seeds that need to be started <clears throat> indoors still need a level of warmth, but they need consistent warmth. Some of them need great warmth, and some of them just need a little bit of warmth, but they still need warmth. And you cannot provide that if your house is, let's just say, kept at 70 degrees 24-7. That means that the mass of soil, whether you're starting with a soil block that's only three quarters, <clears throat> sorry y'all, losing my voice, three quarters of an inch square, or a plug tray that has a much larger chunk of soil, if your house is 70 degrees, that mass of soil is 15 to 20 degrees cooler than the air temperature. So that means that soil is 55 degrees. Most seeds, cool season and warm season, need soil temperatures of 65 to 85 degrees, depending on which kind of seed they are. To be able to get that, you've got to have a seedling heat mat. Seedling heat mats have built-in thermostats to raise the temperature to 15 to 20, 20 degrees warmer than the surrounding room temperature. And bingo, y'all, there you go. Because what do most people do? Try to start indoors without a seedling heat mat, and where do they set their seed trays? In the coldest spot in the house, typically on a windowsill, which is cold. And that's why so many people face challenges. People resist purchasing a seedling heat mat, but I'm here to tell you it'll change your seed starting life. Then, after 50% of the seeds sprout, we move it off of the heat mat over to a grow light. Why do you need a grow light? To grow stocky, healthy seedlings, you need to provide 16 hours of bright light. We don't even have 16 hours of light a day when most people are trying to start seed, y'all. And, <clears throat> excuse me, by growing healthy, stocky, short little seedlings, we know as a fact 
that those seedlings go on to produce more flowers and fruit than tall, lanky, yellowing seedlings, which are not getting enough light and they're stretching to get more light. Providing the conditions that seedlings need end in success, y'all. Investing in um, indoor seed starting equipment will change your gardening life. And it's typically a one-time-in-a-life purchase, unless you need more if you get a little addicted, as I did, and you become a flower farmer. So here's the other thing that I wanted to add that I made a note to myself. There are seeds that say, go either way. I wanna say again, that whenever you see that on our seed packages, in my books, on my website, in my articles, or if you hear me speak of stuff, Whichever method I mention first or write first is the way that I start the seed. And I'm telling y'all, I just simply seek out the easiest way. I try to give Mother Nature a hand, and if that doesn't work, we have to start it indoors. I do the quickest, least expensive, most efficient way to do everything. That's what it's being a flower farmer is all about. And starting seeds is absolutely no different. And I will tell you that the fail, I mean, we counsel more people on seed starting than any other area of farming or gardening. Seed starting is definitely the number one challenge. And I understand it because remember me, I'm the one that, you know, I got them to sprout, then dampening off got them. Um, dampening off is a fungal disease um, that oftentimes we do not use domes. That first dome kit that I bought, I'm sure, I mean, I gave my seedlings a fungal disease by I'm sure leaving the dome on too long. Um, but you just have to give seedlings what they need and what they want. And that means to give them to create those conditions. And investing in seed starting equipment for us changed my life. When I met Elliot Coleman's book, um, The New Organic Farmer, I think it was, Gardener, the, no, The New Organic Grower. And I learned the basics behind seed starting and did exactly what he said, I was an overnight success. I invested in a heat mat, I invested in soil blocking, I invested in grow lights, and I've never looked back. Um, if you need more of a, if you want to learn more or you need a visual lesson over on thegardenersworkshop.com, not only are there endless resources of videos and blogs and articles, um, but I also have an online course. It's about 90 minutes long. It's like 20 bucks. It's called Seed Starting Made Easy. Whether you're a farmer or a gardener, <clears throat> it walks you through the steps of starting seeds indoors. I do it with soil blocking, but you can apply most of the steps to any type of method, but it also shares starting seeds out in the garden. And I would highly recommend you check that out on our learning center, um, not only will you find the Field and Garden blog and podcast, but you'll also find a category of our video guide and all things soil blocking. Those will really help you, as well as our online garden shop is stocked 
with all of the easy to start seeds that I grow. Y'all, I generally do not grow any hard to start seeds. Um, and that's all we sell are the same seeds that I actually grow in my garden. Um, and you will also find the stuff we offer. Seed starting kits, all the stuff separate. We sell from grow lights to burlap to the ready-made blocking mix. So I just encourage you um, to don't be discouraged if you have failed in the past, because I'm going to tell you that you're in the one, you are in the 99%. It's the 1% of people that tackle this from the get-go and have success. It is not the norm. I used to often, when, especially when I was traveling and lecturing a lot, I would often say to people to put them at ease because everybody, it's like their own, their own little dirty secret that they've been buying seeds for years and have had zero germinate. I'm not kidding you. I actually spoke to a woman years ago that told me, she came to me after a conference, tears running down her face. Y'all, this is serious business. And said, I have been buying seeds every year for 20 years and I have literally had no success. This has just opened my eyes to everything that I was doing wrong. Y'all, it's just having a few basic rules. Choose wisely Get to know your seed and what they actually need and then give it to them and you will knock this out, becoming a part of this miracle of the sprouting of seeds and growing plants changes everything. You know, it's so funny when I was walking Tucker this morning around the farm, we got um, sidetracked because we had a red tail hawk sitting up on our farm star, our farm star. Um, it actually is a Christmas light, but we don't keep it lit year-round, just at Christmas. And it is attached to what was our raptor bar. We encourage raptors here. That's how our rabbit, squirrel, and rodent, vole, rat, mouse controller, um, they that's what they take care of. And anyway, this morning when we were walking, for some reason, I just happened to look up and who was sitting on the Christmas star. But a red tail hawk, shop in our garden. And so Tucker and I just kind of hung out there. He stayed there for like 20 or 30 minutes. And I was just gazing at the cool flower garden. This is in early March. Um, actually, today is my 25th wedding anniversary, y'all, kind of a reflective day. And I was looking at the cool flower garden and thinking to myself, all this started from seed. You know, it's that whole garden gazing I was sharing earlier. It is just such, it's the most rewarding thing ever, y'all. And I just, um, I ask you to join me in it. And so if you have questions, you know, join me over on social media where I do live events each week. Join me on Facebook for the Gardener's Workshop Live where I try to answer all your questions. And I'm also over on Instagram Live on Wednesdays, Ask a Flower Farmer. Um, and so I just, it's been really great sharing with this with you today. And please, if you want to do something to help me, please review my podcast, share it with your friends, subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And folks, until we meet again, I hope you join me in this whole walk in the miraculous seed starting 
journey. And here's the other thing, y'all. We start seeds almost 12 months out of the year. You can do that too. We'll talk about that on another episode. So folks, till we meet again, hope to see you over at thegardenersworkshop.com. Ciao.